welcome to Critical Thinking for Everyone! Welcome, everyone. This is our pride and joy of the week, and we are just going to bask in it. Bask in the pride and the joy. Mm -hmm. I think there's something about that that maybe obscures our thinking. You think so? We're not intellectually humble enough. I don't think so. I think that we've, I think that if we're uh, if we're considering it to be the the top part of people's week, then probably we're overstating our position. What if it's ours though? Just our fun moment, even uh, just of the day. Well, you know, some days. Some days. <laughs> depends on the day. It does. It does. And that's Patty Payette saying it depends on the day. And that's Brian Barnes commenting on what I have to say. And one critical thinking move that you could take anywhere is to ask someone to discuss or to comment on or to repeat what you just said. Ooh. Okay. It's so... a tough one sometimes. So, how do you do that? Like, how do you ask someone to repeat what you just said without sounding obnoxious? Like, I'll tell can you, you just repeat what I just said. I'll tell you an excellent strategy. So, our friend Rush. Oh, yes. Hey, Rush. Yeah, yeah. So, Rush is probably not listening to the show. But let me say, one time I was hanging out with Rush and we were eating dinner. Yes. And he was talking about some really technical stuff at this new job that he had just begun. Yes. And he was really kind of puzzling through some of it and doing some critical thinking stuff with it. And um, at one point we made eye contact. And I think it must have been clear to Rush that I had somehow had or the out. other lost the thread of whatever was going on here. You were too focused on your pad time. Possibly. Or and he just stopped and he said, So I've, I've talked a lot. Would you care to comment on anything I just said? <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Oh, yeah. And uh, I think I managed to come up with something. But I mean, it was, yeah, it was pretty effective. And it was very clear to me that I might have. I might not be in a great position to do that. Wow. So you can do that without being a jerk. You can just, because what it does, it's invitational, right? I mean, because he wasn't asking me to answer any questions. He wasn't asking me to comment on anything in particular. He just wanted me to talk about any of that stuff he'd been talking about. Was, clearly, that was a memorable move. It was, was really very good memorable. because he didn't like push me call or you call me out. Yeah, it was just really subtle. And I thought, oh, nice. I like it that. It was a Richard Paul move for sure. Yeah, yeah. he definitely learned that one from Richard yeah, Paul. definitely. So I really like that. I really like that. Would you care to comment on anything I just said? Anything. Yeah. Just anything, you any, know, any, part, any part of it at all? I know. You know, sometimes I find myself guilty of multitasking when I should be, like, tuned into the person that I'm you know, conversing with. I think that's all of us. I think we're we're often guilty of that. Yeah. 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 But the thing is, I mean, it could be confrontational anyway. Like somebody might go, oh, man, you know, I really think that uh, you bringing this up uh, made me feel bad. Or I think that, you know, I don't want to like hang out anymore if you're going to do stuff like that, like kind of, you yeah. know, bring me into the conversation that way. So I suppose it's possible 
that that wouldn't be well received. But I do think it is a way for any of us to, to even check ourselves. I mean, because we're, we're talking about the thinking, like what about the thinking and what about my thinking and what about the thinking in the moment, right? So if I, if I can say, hey, what happened in this moment? Like we're supposed to be thinking about what's being said, so... Okay. I mean, it's just, again, it, it might not be well received, but it's a thing you could do. I like that. I also like the move of me repeating back to you what I heard you saying as a way of active listening, whether yeah. or not you ask me, right? I'm just saying, right. so what I hear you saying is... Oh, you do that all the time. I do? You do, you do it all the oh, time. Oh, good. I try to. Is it a thing that you think is sometimes intended to get people? Like, do you do it to, to, to trap them? No. In something? No. No. The only time it goes awry, I got to tell you when it goes awry. When does it go awry? So let's say you and I are meeting, mm -hmm. and and you're telling me about this problem, and then I say, Brian. So what you're telling me is you have a problem, and what I hear you saying is X Y Z, and then I say back what I hear. Right. So you know what some people hear that as an invitation for? No. Elaborating on it, as oh, opposed man. to verifying, like yes, that's. So, yeah, they hear that as, so what, what, what I hear you saying is, oh, I know what you that is. need, you need some, you need to work on your time management. Is that what I hear you saying? And the other person goes, yeah. And then they launch back into it from another, you know, like elaborate when that's not actually what you're going for. See, one of my favorite theorists yes. for a lot of things is Jean-Paul Sartre. Jean-Paul Sartre. Sartre. <laughs> but see, no one knows what the hell we said. So that's why the other Sartre. Sartre. The, the, the French existentialist, that guy. right? That guy. Yeah, that guy. You know, I, I love some of the things that he has to say. I don't always love the degree to which he says them. But here's one that I think is worth thinking about. Okay. All relationships are inherently sadomasochistic. What? Yeah. What? Yeah. So in Being in Nothingness, his his charter work, That's he lays famous. this out. Yes. Yeah, well, I spent an awful lot of time, once upon a time, with that book. Well, I haven't, so this is going to be my cliff notes right here. Oh, wow. Okay, so I'm going to get a lot of things wrong. And feel free to reach out to us at Critical Thinking for Everyone on Facebook um, to set either of us. Yeah, straight, and I do think. it in French. Yeah, that would be great, too, for Patty. Yeah. But at any rate, I suppose Go I deserve on. it at this point. Being in Nothingness. Um, being what in year Nothingness. Was that? What year is that? 1941, three. Oh, okay, all right. Something, something in there. Maybe it was later than that, late 19, late 1940s. I can't remember now because yeah, he he wrote some other stuff maybe in the early 40s. Maybe I'm too late. Okay. Boy, it's been a long time since I was asked that question, but it's definitely in there. Mm -hmm. Um. So, in being in nothingness, he suggests that all relationships between two people have this dynamic of one person, well, both people actually, seeking their normal way of being, which for him is either that I sort of express my wants and desires or I don't. Both of them, both strategies have tactics for helping me get what I want. But the question is whether I am more aggressive and direct with my own 
uh, being in the world or whatever. Got it. The 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 sadist, if you will. Okay, or, it's like the assertive one, right? But it's a little more than that because I'm willing to use others quite directly to get what I want. Yeah, whatever it is, right? Whereas okay. the masochist is going to be more comfortable being in a passive position and also they're comfortable with being used in whatever ways socially wow. as a way to get what they want, right? Which okay. may end up, which in, in, in either case is, is sort of a personal power, a, an expression of my personal freedom as a human being, like however I want to uh, exist like that. Right. And so I just think that that's really interesting. So people are going, what in the hell show did I tune into? Yeah. They're like, wait a minute. Let me pull over and think about this. <laughs> well, it's just the idea, I think, that some of us, maybe every time we come together in a relationship, there is some attempt for people to reach whatever role they want in the relationship, even if they don't even know that they usually do that. Like they mm. look for ways where they can manifest what they want. Interesting. So he said this is like a dynamic. It's like yeah. an unconscious dynamic Absolutely. in every conversation and every exchange. Every, everything. And so what that means is that um, every relationship reaches some kind of equilibrium Right. And it can change, too, because sometimes you get like two dominant people meeting one another. Right. And then they clash. And then somebody has to blink and kind of. Well, eventually they work through it. Right. But but often it's volatile. Wow. That explains a lot. You know, that reminds me of in the 70s, there was this thing called transactional analysis. Are you, transactional do analysis. Do you remember that from the 70s? I don't, think, I don't know if I did, but it sounds like uh, sounds like something you do at a bank. <laughs> <laughs> it was this. I'd have to look up the Wikipedia, all the, the, all the scholarship, but it was this thing about analyzing conversation. It's kind of like not as highfalutin as Sartre, right? Okay. Sartre. Sarge? But 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 in the <laughs> yeah transactional analysis and it has these concepts and and I'm just going to share one concept yeah, go ahead. with you okay that's all we're so doing. they had this concept <laughs> that's pretty much yeah, we're what sharing we concepts do here, yeah so. that's pretty much what we yeah. do every show right really yeah um, so they had this thing called collecting brown stamps so let's say you and I are in an argument and okay. I'm like Brian okay you got my coffee order wrong right. again uh-huh. okay yeah and you know what else? Two weeks ago, I gave you my dinner order and you got that wrong yeah. too. But I didn't say anything because I was trying to be nice and I didn't want to spoil the mood. But now, and also like three weeks ago when we were at White Castle, mm-hmm. you didn't even ask me what I want. So oh, that yeah. would be brown stamps. I've collected all these brown stamps okay. and I'm unfurling all the brown stamps. Why are they brown? Because they're old, oh. and you're not supposed oh. <laughs> to collect and share brown stamps, right? Yeah. Oh, I mean, I don't know about that. I just I thought maybe they had poop on them or something. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that was what was so, left over. So transactional the, analysis yeah. kind of tried to look at moves that people made in conversation and put labels on them yeah. as a way. So it, when I was growing up, they actually had a book for kids <laughs> called, <laughs> I don't even know if I can say it all, T.A. for Tots. TA for, for tots. tots. Transactional notes for tots. Wow. And they use these terms to try to help you. And I am someone to this day who does not like to, to collect brown stamps. I, try, I really try not to. Now, this is how you end up with a high-powered 
uh, life and career right here, right? <laughs> you start off with transactional analysis for TOTS, and uh, and there we move go. through. The, I'm sure. I'm sure somewhere there were, you know, seven habits of, of uh, highly successful people. Yeah. How could you miss that stuff? Exactly. Yeah. It's and all like what it's, it just cycles through. Like it just each becomes things decade, that you that you want. A... But but I'm saying you in particular, like you you, you oh, gravitated yeah. oh. toward all the stuff. All the yeah, yeah, all these concepts because you're in fifth grade in the bookstore. There's transactional analysis. You're like, let me tell you something. <laughs> that thing because changed I was my so life. verbal. There you go. Uh, you know. I was for very verbal and into words, and so I think that's why I was attracted to that. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm more, not, more models. We got a lot of concepts, people. Some of them may feel more, more juicier than others. Well, that's the thing. When we talk about any kind of concept, we 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 should all be asking ourselves: To what extent does this concept resonate for me? I mean, does this seem? I guess the real question is: How do I? judge the concepts like how do i say oh well, you know this one's actually mm. a really good one or a useful one yeah. yeah and maybe this one's not and you used a word just then relevant we could use some standards we could just have some standards we could say oh well this is relevant to the rest of my life this is relevant to my goals i'm trying to accomplish right. um, maybe i think that uh, this seems very logical like that could be a standard maybe right. maybe you say Wow, this isn't really a significant issue in my life right now, but I used to be focused on that. Or, Absolutely. right, I can't focus on everything. So, what's the most significant thing I want to focus on? Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. I think that all of these and more, you know, can help us sort of get a lot out of doing these kinds of um, analyses such that it's useful for my life, right? My own, I mean, I, I want to. I want critical thinking stuff. If I'm going to be thinking about my thinking, I want that to be good for my life. I don't want it to just be something that I do that I hate. You know, it's another chore and I got to get out there and do it, but I don't really seem to get anything out of it. Critical thinking has a lot of diversity in its application and we should be able to get something out of it. Um, yeah. That's our whole point of the show, right? It's supposed Critical. to be for everyone. That's why we're doing yeah. this. In case yeah. you guys are wondering why we're doing this, you're, you're listening and you're going, why are these two people talking about all this every single week? Because we think that concepts drive your thinking. Yes. And so if we're here talking about concepts, you're going, oh, that seems like a bunch of nonsense. We just, we're, we're, we were just Failed. successful. No. We were successful. Oh, we were? If they think it was nonsense? They thought about their thinking. Oh, God. See, Patty's much more of an achiever than I am. <laughs> I have a bit of a lower bar. Um, I really do believe it's for everyone, even the people who are wrong. Um, but I like to get A's. <laughs> Patty's, Patty's about achieving on this one. That's okay. But, but I, I mean, and we can differ about this if we want to, but, but I, for me, um, just... People out there going, I thought about it, and it's dumb. That's okay. Now, what I don't like is when somebody just goes, oh, critical thinking show? Dumb. If you didn't ah. listen to it at all, if you just dismissed it, yeah, I'm not, I'm not a fan of that because you didn't do the thinking. But if you listen to what we're doing right now, and then you're at the end, you're like, wow, that was really stupid. Okay. I mean, you I hope, thought about it. I hope you did. I mean, again, yeah. if you didn't really listen to it, if you didn't really try to internalize some of these ideas because you know if all the concepts are terrible concepts then that is very telling about our show i would say that in 
it's more likely that there are a number of concepts that are good and some other ones that aren't. And if you just spent the last 10 minutes trying to figure out which one of us is the sadist and which one is the masochist, then we just won. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We, and Sadist would say... Say it in French. would say that we... <laughs> That we also just won if we actually got to those roles on the show. Ooh. Yeah. Bam. Yeah. Boom. Well, did we? Who knows? I don't know. You be the know. judge of that. We we'll would see. love to hear from you again. <laughs> and if you're trying to figure out which channel you go to next, it's probably helpful for you to know that you're right now, most likely at 106.5 on the FM dial. Uh, that's Forward Radio W. Uh, FMPLP, that's Louisville, Kentucky, and we are coming at you from the Hayburn Building in downtown Louisville, are we do, not? Do, 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 do. Airwaves going out, yep. Yep, yep, and um, you, you might should, be listening to this on SoundCloud. You might be listening to it on SoundCloud. You should, uh, if you have a hankering, join us to create a community show. Yeah, we would love it. That'd be we cool. Go to, go to forwardradio.org for more information. Yes, you absolutely could. So today we're going to talk about two of my favorite topics. Oh, uh, let me see. And that's just not you and me. That's that's okay. a given. Okay, okay. <laughs> uh, is it is it baking and mm, automobiles? No. Oh, I gave up. No, no. Coffee and... Uh, Fancy shoes? Fancy shoes? No. Oh, mm -mm. Uh, transactional analysis <laughs> and... <laughs> Kickboxing. There no. Um, we are going to talk about um, the intellectual traits. Intellectual traits, I like or them. Or also known as the intellectual virtues. They are. Also known as the intellectual habits of mind. Yep, yep, yep. yep. And we're going to talk about those. Now, we have talked about those before on the sh several times on the show. Sometimes yeah. we've just talked about one or two of them. Sometimes they've sponsored our show. Sometimes they've, yes, they've sponsored our show. Mm -hmm. So if you are a longtime listener, and we really hope you are, then you have come in and you've heard us talk about the traits. But today we're going to talk about them with a specific lens, which is about leadership and yeah. traits, right? And, and yeah. Brian, you've had this on your brain quite a bit. I have, I have. I've been, I've been a, a... Your uh, Brian brain. Brian brain. I've had a, a, a fellowship. I've been a rector fellow mm -hmm. at, uh, ooh, out of mm -hmm. uh, Sounds impressive. the College of Business, I guess. Um, you know, I think anything with fellow behind it probably mm. does. Uh, but at any rate, it's been uh, an opportunity for me to do some research. And the research that I have been doing has been in the connection between leadership and the intellectual traits. So I think that when you talk about positive characteristics of mind, right, because that's what the intellectual traits are, they're, they're habits that help us, um, habits that help us do better thinking. Yeah, they're, they're sort of, yeah, when we say habits, what we mean are, they're sort of, they're dispositions, they're ways of being and ways of thinking mm -hmm. that sort of um, provide a context within the way you're doing other critical thinking. Is that, like, could, could we come up with an analogy for, like, something that people are really familiar with, like another set of traits that would be familiar to people? 
I mean, I think that a lot of it, a lot of that kind of thing rests in stereotypes. I mean, I think that when you talk about, for example, professions, often professions have stereotypes associated with them that we say, ah, a doctor has these kinds of characteristics, a police officer has these kinds of characteristics, right. a teacher has these kind. Of, of course, they, they will not apply to every member of the group. Right. But we say those things because in our own mental picture of that person's role, that person's professional role in society, whatever it might be, doctor, firefighter, teacher, what have you, we think that they would maybe be best suited to that role, do the best work in that role, really thrive in that role, if they had a certain set of characteristics. Okay, so okay. so like with a teacher, let's say that, what would be the character? So for teachers, I mean, you would definitely think about they would want to be good listeners, right? Um, a teacher would need to be someone who had a certain degree of patience for process, right? So they need to they need to be slow enough in their thinking that they can follow other people's processes, but they need to be fast enough in their thinking at the same time that they are able to kind of, I guess, pull back a little bit um, when people are doing the thinking and say, ah, right there, we just need to stop you right there and that's where we need to do a little bit of intellectual work, or that's where the next lesson needs to come in, or something like that. So I think that that's, you know, I mean, we could go on and on, right? So like teachers need, um, teachers need a certain amount of patience, I think. Teachers need... Um, uh, attention to the individual student, like a care. There's a caring aspect. Do that's, they need that? Uh, yeah. Caring about students, yeah, I think they do. Probably, probably. I think that's a disposition they need. I'm just thinking about like the teachers. Maybe this becomes a definition problem. I'm thinking about like the teachers on YouTube. What teachers on YouTube? Any teachers on YouTube? Do they do they need to care about the students they're teaching to through YouTube? If they're, oh. just, if they're just making an instructional oh. video. Um, well, I think the caring shows up in. It's the time they take, how they talk about it. You know, I, I, caring can show up a lot of different ways in teaching. Um, the care that you take and how you explain something or how many ways you talk about it or the different ways you anticipate misconceptions or repeating yourself. Those are things that showing you're attending to the learners, what the learner needs. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's fair. So, that's fair. I mean... The point is that there might be some characteristics that any of us could discuss and we could arrive at as the right characteristics. Right. The ones that we say would go along with being teachers. I mean, you might disagree with what we've just yeah. said. But that's okay because what we're talking about is having a set of characteristics. And then once you have that, what critical thinking would want us to do is to try to figure out to what degree those characteristics are intellectually derived and if they're intellectually derived then critical thinking believes that it can help 
develop those more fully. Ah, okay. So the intellectually derived. So we should talk about what that means. Yeah. Grown yeah. on the brain. Yeah. Grown <laughs> on the brain. Intellectually derived. Okay. Well, so when we talk about the traits and, the, and habits of mind, these are things that you can practice. You can be intentional about. Mm -hmm. that's, mm -hmm. that's one of the takeaways is that you don't, well, either, either I'm intellectually humble or I'm not. How would I know? Let me take a quiz. Well, <laughs> sure. you can develop that with intentionality, just the way that you can develop information literacy or financial literacy or other kinds of things that you, ways of thinking that you want to develop. Oh, yeah. And I'm so glad to use those examples, right? Because the, I am such a, what's the right word, snob, mm. oh, snob? about this particular topic of intellectual traits. I'm a terrible, terrible snob. You are? I, I am. I didn't know you were a snob no, about I'll, traits. I'll tell you about, I'll tell you why. Because I only really like the intellectual traits that come through the foundation in Richard Paul. I've looked at other versions oh, of intellectual yes, traits. Oh, intellectualvirtues.com, I think, yeah. Uh, and there, yeah. Are, there are a lot of, there are just a lot of different, uh, you know, renderings of things that, that yeah. if you do a Google search, you find groups of intellectual traits, some of which are just straight up plagiarisms of the Richard Paul material, mm. but, but a lot of it is also relatively, I, I would say, uh, weak. weak sense, weak sense. We, maybe even weak level. Ooh. However. Here's what I want to say. So I wanted to get that out there. I wanted to cop to that before okay. I before we before talk about we this too in. much. Okay. But I but I also want to say, given that, I still think it's better to work with intellectual traits and to try to address intellectual traits in your thinking and to even work with a lesser or weaker conception of intellectual traits than to not work with them at all. Okay. So uh, working with some is better than not working with them at all. Even if even saying. if they're wrong, honestly, wow. even I would say even if what you're working with is wrong. So how could it be wrong, Barnes? Well, for example, mm. um, you could be working from a non-intellectual understanding of humility, right. right? So I can go to the Bible, for example, and I can find a lot of suggestions. I would say there's at least a handful of them there that say that I should be humble in my disposition, in the way that I sort mm -hmm. of move through the world, that I should be, I right. should have humility. Oh. And, and for example, I should have humility before the Lord, right. these kinds of things. But these aren't necessarily like they're not making arguments. They're just telling you to. Right. And it's so, like a value they're trying to press upon you. And, and they don't care if you understand it. They want you to do it. Right. Right. And so this, you know, if you if you're afraid and so you do it, great. If it makes you money and so you do it, great. If but you just do it. Yeah, just do it. Right. What, just be humble. Right. And, you know, good things will happen and all this business. Right. That that kind of stuff is non-intellectual approaches because I can't think my way to it, except except to do the very sophistic, weak sense critical thinking of, I better do it or I'll be in trouble. Right. Yeah. I better, okay. Okay, so we've established that we are going to be talking about the Richard Paul version of intellectual Well, I'm traits. just saying, if we could bring in other stuff yeah. if we wanted to. It's cool with me, but the, the way that we would get it wrong is to conflate this intellectual with... courage with courage, intellectual humility with humility, intellectual right. empathy with empathy. Because there are so many non-intellectual ways to get at 
humility, empathy, courage. I can drink my way to courage, can't I, <laughs> fraternity brothers? Come on All now. All right, so Brian's making a great point. When we use some of the terms like intellectual courage, intellectual humility, some of these uh, terms are gonna be very familiar to you, but they have a very specific gloss in this context. We should probably give an example of how yeah. these are different. Yeah. Oh yeah. wait, riff it, riff it. Okay, riff how about, oh, okay. There we go. Can you hear those? But this is a fresh copy of the Critical Thinking Concepts and Tools. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll give throw one at you. Throw it. Okay. Oh, this is one of my favorites. Okay. Intellectual okay. perseverance. Okay, okay. Okay, so right. people like to use the term perseverance, especially from the last year. Mm -hmm. Do you remember what happened over the last year, by the way? Oh, man, I have a dim recollection of something. What was it? Lockdown, quarantine, oh, yeah. virus. Oh yeah, pandemic that? action. We've been yeah. doing. We're still in it. Well, we're still in it. We're still in it. We're still but, but we're but we're vaccinated. We're vaccinated for a while now. Yeah, kind of so, feeling like a unicorn in some some, some context. context. Yeah. So when we hear perseverance, people may be familiar with this term in terms of like persevere through the pandemic and through lockdown and through all your meetings or your school being online. Like persevere, like power through it hang in there, you know, muscle through, right? But intellectual perseverance means something very specific. Yeah, that's right. And so, um, but it has aspects of that. That's yes, the thing, right? It, that's, yes, yeah. it's, a, it's, it's not totally divorced from it, but right. it's a specific take on perseverance. Right, and so, and so for all of these, if we read, like Patty's gonna read part of intellectual perseverance here for us in just a moment, even if we can't remember the definitions, what we want to ask ourselves is at a very basic level, it's intellectual perseverance if it has to do with persevering in a particularly intellectual way. Right. Through with regard somehow to an intellectual process that is being that there's an attempt to stifle. Right. We could be persevering in a lot of non-intellectual things, and maybe for even bad reasons, maybe even for no criteria, all these things that would be against, kind of against the definition that Patty just mm. suggested, or, or is about to suggest. So just keep in mind at the basic, we just wanna, we just wanna think about, you know, the ways that, that, that these are intellectual as opposed to emotional or right. cultural. Or, okay, good, nice way to say it. Okay, intellectual perseverance, the opposite, which is intellectual laziness. Oh, my Lord. Okay. I'm a big fan. Okay, having, or intellectual perseverance, having consciousness of the need to use intellectual insights and truths in spite of difficulties, obstacles, and frustrations. Okay, okay. Firm adherence to rational principles despite the irrational opposition of others. Okay, so wait a minute, let's just stop right there. The, yeah. So the first one sounds like it could just be any old perseverance. What makes it intellectual? Intelli uh, use intellectual insights and truth in spite of difficulties, obstacles, and frustrations. So, so it's the first part. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's about when we say intellectual insights and truths, that's like when you're in a difficult situation, when you're in a spot or a conundrum that you are relying on, true insights and truths that, you know, sort of like an intellectual value system that helps you kind of navigate when things get tough. Mm -hmm, Do you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Yeah, that's right. Because if we, 
because we could also just like, we could just do something else. We could say, ah, I'm just going to do it like Rocky did it. You know? <laughs> Is that supposed to be the Rocky theme? Oh, no. Okay, yeah, you know, yeah. anyway, you got to get a little deeper it. into it. Right? I got it. But anyway, this is the... <laughs> like, what are you doing? I know music and that's not it. But, um, yeah, but I mean, that's the thing is we could just say, I like this character and I'm just going to have fortitude. I'm going to persevere. Right. But it might have nothing to do with intellect. It might, I mean, you might be persevering on something that really it would make a lot of sense if you quit. Exactly. Yeah. Or pull back, go in a different direction. Right. Right. And uh, firm adherence to rational principles despite the irrational opposition of others. So that means we stick to when we really have thought something through and we really feel like we've reasoned through a good decision and other people are like, well, Brian, do you really think you should buy a monkey as a pet? Oh, Is that I hate really? this conversation. I'm so sick of it. I've thought about this so much. You know, They're very destructive. I've done my research. I don't want to talk about this anymore. I mean, you haven't done any research at all. No, you're right. I haven't. Yeah, so let me tell you, the monkey... No, wait a minute. Wait a minute. We're getting off on a tangent. The point is that uh, if you have good reasons, and if others are trying to shut you down, and if you go back and you, you question yourself, I do it every time. So stop, so stop throwing these frivolous questions at me because it causes me every time to question myself, to legitimately ask, am I wrong? Okay. And in many cases, of course, I'm not. I have a great leadership example. Thank goodness. I have a really good leadership example. <laughs> Can I share it? I wish you would. Let's have it. <laughs> okay. So cast your mind back to about six months ago. Okay. Cast your mind back to... The height of the pandemic. The height of the pandemic okay. when zombies were running free. <laughs> and we had some very clear rules at U of L about how to handle if somebody was positive in your office, like if someone had a positive COVID test, okay. how to protect their privacy, but yet why right, other people need to be alerted. So the university had a system where right, you would call, you would notify the health um service at UVAL and okay. they would do contact tra you know it was like okay. right I don't go around going oh my god everybody everybody the three people who are still you know working in the office Brian <laughs> Brian just tested positive oh my god oh no who was around him like that's not what you want to do and I was the leader so what happened was mm. somebody came to me and said hey I just wanted you to know that somebody just on my team just tested positive oh no and I and here's the situation. I was like, okay, okay. And I said, okay, well, here's what we need to do. Here's the university. And they went, no, 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 we need to tell everybody. Mm. Like we need to let people like that person the started right panicking. Thing to do. That person started panicking a little bit. And I went, and I didn't stop and go, okay, now wait a minute. There's a protocol here. It has very specific like intellectual perseverance, like step back. Despite difficulties and obstacles and someone else going, no, no, we got to do this, da, 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 and go, wait a minute. And so I, I sort of went, oh, okay. And I, like, it's not that I went around and told everyone, but I, I didn't follow the steps. And then later I went, oh, there was a mm -hmm. whole reason we had those steps. And I, that moment, intellectual perseverance, I should have said, okay, now wait a minute here. This is reason we have, there's good reasons that we're doing it this way. 
and I understand your concerns. Here is the process we're going to follow. Okay, but instead you just scream <laughs> and you... <laughs> I didn't. So, so I, I, I remember the moment that I went, oh, you know, as a leader, those, those moments you don't pause. Mm -hmm. and, and this is where, again, you're, as a leader, you take, that, you take a moment to go, okay, wait a minute. Here's the situation. This person wants me to do this. Okay, and you, you do like a quick what we call going around the wheel and critical thinking, which sure. is, okay, what's the information? What, what's the concepts at play here? You know, point of view, what, oh, I need to be thinking about the, uh, you know, policy implications, blah, 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 you know, quickly. Mm -hmm. And I'm usually pretty good about that as a leader, mm -hmm. but that was mm -hmm. an example where I felt like I didn't persevere intellectually. Well, I mean, I'm glad that it all turned out fine. It did. Yeah. Nobody else got COVID because we had very good distancing and all these policies in in place. All right. Well, you know, so, um, is that a good example? Do you think? Yeah, it sounds like so. It sounds like yeah. It sounds like intellectual perseverance was certainly at play there. Yeah, and and well, I sh it was it was in play because I didn't have it, and I so should you have. said yes, 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 yes. Well, let me. So I I like that one. We don't talk about that one enough. Intellectual it's perseverance. It's one of my favorite personal favorites. Well, it's good because you know, for any of us, when we're thinking about something new or we're trying to come up with a different way of thinking about anything, there are going to be those, maybe not people, but certainly forces like the media or um, tradition. Yeah, whatever that might say. Oh, just keep doing it the way. Yeah. You know, the old way yeah. was fine. Like there's no reason right. to change, and maybe maybe it's even dangerous or harmful to change it, right? And so to, when you face that stuff, this one combines really well with intellectual courage. Okay, talk about that, intellectual courage. Well, I think the intellectual courage is, is a really good one to talk about because so many people in our culture in particular, um, shout out to everybody listening who's not in our culture, um, in, in our <laughs> culture in particular, courage is just valued so highly. Really? Oh, courage so. in, in what sense? In the sense of like bravado and the oh, sense machismo. of being able to, you know, step up and like handle something, oh. you know, like not backing down kind of thing. Like I just really think, especially in male culture, but maybe also across the board. Like not backing down is a big male thing, like not, not appearing weak. and Yeah, yeah. And so a lot of people, you know, you can get courage in a lot of ways and mm -hmm. it can often be misplaced, right? We talk about toxic masculinity in our culture. Right. We I talk mean, about like Karens, the Karens will fly <laughs> off the handle because, you know. Well, sure, because there's, there's... in a lot of cases they believe they're right. Yes. And they just go. Right. Yeah. Right, right, right and righteous. And righteous, yeah. And so, if we if we want to talk about um, how can I be courageous intellectually, I think that the first thing that we need to do is just recognize that not all courage is intellectual. Okay. Okay. So we've, we've kind of mentioned that. Yeah. So then the question becomes, what does intellectual courage look like? Richard Paul defines it relatively specifically in that it's it's an interest and a willingness to investigate mm. ideas that you have been told are stupid ideas, are dangerous ideas, are ideas that are going to lead to your downfall. The sort uh, of right. assumption underlying dangerous this. Dangerous or absurd, he says in the definition, that are considered dangerous or absurd. Yeah, and, and sort of, I think that the, the important piece of that is that, number one, if, so, if an idea is dangerous or absurd, does 
is it possible, do we really think that it's credible that one idea all by itself, one book all by itself, could corrupt someone's thinking to the point where they have a bad life? Wow. Right? And wow. I mean, a lot of people say, sure. Yeah. And Richard Paul says, nah, not one idea. It might, you know, but because life is multidisciplinary, right? And so since there's not, there's an assumption that that danger, that, that danger, again, we're not talking about adopting the idea. We're talking about touching it. Here's an idea. Think about this idea. You could decide that it's a bad idea. But the point is just being exposed to it with the exposure to an idea all by itself lead to the undermining of a thinker. Mm, well, you know, so you go to Oklahoma, though, and you see a sticker on a textbook that says evolution is just a theory. Okay. It's on a science textbook. Sure. Seems to suggest that that idea of evolution is pretty dangerous. Sure, but if that were the only suggestion all by itself, it wouldn't have the strength that it does oh, in some context. Oh, I see context, what you're saying, right? because it's, it's like part of a messaging, yeah, a wider there's messaging. a system. It's, yeah, it's wrapped up in a system that okay. educates people, that reinforces this, yeah. right? I mean, educates them in this fashion, because, of course, education is a theory, but it's not just a theory, because scientific theory means different from, you know, Brian's theory down at the bait shop, right? I mean, yeah. that's, they're, they're, they're different. Yeah, I see what you're saying, yeah. So intellectual courage and leadership, so, I mean, how does that? Well, it's tough, right? Because because I think that for leaders, it works two ways. One is, if I'm a leader, to what extent do I actually, am I actually comfortable and am I creating systems such that people can um, advance their thinking themselves at work? Hmm. Are people given the opportunity and the support intellectually right under my leadership whatever that looks like because of course that would involve time and money and other things too perhaps are, are, is that are they being given the space and the opportunity to, to explore ideas that would be considered absurd or dangerous well, we, but as a leader do we want people to be thinking that way? we want people to be intellectually autonomous right which is another one of yes. these characteristics but to a certain extent right well that's the that's, that's the question the line. that's the question yeah. right to what extent do you want people intellectually autonomous to the point where they're going to march to their own drummer at work they're going to say oh yes i see that we've always done it like this but i see no reason why we can't explore doing it like this yes right and the leader and you know some leaders a lot of leaders might be like ah we don't have the time you know you do it on your own time or whatever but that don't, we have no energy in this place there's no bandwidth for you to do this kind of work here right intellectually we don't want you to do anything other than follow Just, the way it's, you know, all, it's always right, been done here's the manual follow the steps that's what we then that's the way that we've done it so far it's been fine but one of the things I want to point out is that intellectual courage, this notion of intellectual courage, where I would explore ideas that are dangerous or absurd, mm -hmm. is a place for innovation. It's a place for creativity. It's a place for getting, literally getting outside the box. Okay. Right. So, here's a leadership move that happened to me today. Oh, my gosh. We were in a meeting. Okay. And we were brainstorming something. Sure. And then we said, you know what? Let's bring more people from across the organization into this conversation. So, okay. yay, right? More okay. points of view, more right. ideas. Okay. But 
there's guardrails. It's not like a free-for-all. Like, mm -hmm. let's brainstorm and just say, right. whatever you come up with, we're going to do. There is parameters around the idea generation that we're doing right here. Right, in the group. But, right. but, but intellectual courage is not about the group. It's about the thinker. I know, but what I'm saying, my point is, though, it's that delicate balance between I want people to be autonomous, I want them to be intellectual courageous and come up with ideas I haven't thought of, but yeah. there's a circle of rational suggestions which oh, sure. I have drawn yeah, sure. as the leader. Sure. Yep. So Brian says we should just, you know, all take Fridays off for the next rest of the year. That's the most rational thing I can That's think of. That's a pretty courageous <laughs> suggestion. Yeah. But it's about cost savings. <laughs> I'm here for the cost savings. <laughs> so that's that's what I'm saying. It's a balance. It's yeah. a balance, you know? Yeah, I do know. As um, a leader, you're yeah, yeah. trying to strike that balance. Yeah, and I think that the the issue, of course, with all of these traits is, I mean, this is a problem that I found when I was doing this research, is that there is this tension because mm -hmm. the leader has purposes. I found that one thing that was really useful for me was thinking about was was thinking about leadership actions in terms of other parts of the critical thinking theory, like elements of thought, for example. Mm -hmm. So to what you know to what extent do we know the leader's purpose? To what extent am I able to question the leader and 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 to what extent have any questions been answered? You know, can I do things like replicate? the thinking processes of the leader. Is that something that I can do? I'm making a certain amount of assumptions there when I think right. about the leader's thinking. So what is that, right? So all of these, I think, um, are, are going back to the idea of what the lead is sort of allowed to do and what might be desirable for them to do vis-a-vis -vis something like intellectual courage. Okay, all right. So part of what it means to be a leader is to set, is to be explicit and clear about things like your purpose, yep. about the concepts and tools that you're using yep. in your thinking. And that is something I think as a leader I try to do, I think that's the strength of mine because I'm so used to using this material. Right. You and, know? But, but I think a lot of leaders don't. That's the thing. Right. Because I think a lot of times leaders are reluctant to share purposes, leadership styles. Some of them explicitly shut down questioning. Right? A lot of leadership styles hide the thinking that led to this conclusion. All you get is what I need you to do. I know, but I think a lot of times it's unconscious. Oh, that's fine. You know? That's fine. Yeah. But, but I'm just saying a lot of leadership styles support these non-critical approaches. Yeah, yeah. Agreed. And so, yeah, so making these things explicit brings it out. Right. right. So I'll never forget one of my mentors. This is one of the ways she was really good at making her thinking explicit. So we were about to go into a partnership meeting. You know, it was going to be lots of high-level talk about. She would sit down with me before the meeting and go, okay, here's how I'm thinking about this. Here's the background context. Here's the points of view I think they're bringing. Sure. Like she would just lay it all out, and it was so such a gift. Hmm. It was really helpful, and mm -hmm. it was mm -hmm. you know I think a lot of the models in pop culture around leaders, we don't it, you know they're very much action oriented, and we don't see the thinking. That's right, right? because because they're simultaneously action oriented and mysterious, 
yes. and in many cases sort of unapproachable, yeah. right? Because either they're fictional, which makes them right. by definition unapproachable, or there may be, um, you know, in the 1% or something. And so they're, they're, there's a buffer between them and like, like they're never going to show up at Starbucks, you know, kind of thing. Like they, somebody else does that for them. Like they're doing right, something else, right? right? And right. so they're not really mixing with us in the popular culture in this way where we might consider them, uh, you know, sort of the every person, right? Right. Um, they're you know, sort of like where we say to faculty, students think you're a mythical beast. <laughs> they, they perceive sure. faculty as sure. these like, sure. you know, you're, and I, I come in at the end of the day and I put you on a dolly and I open a, <laughs> a janitor's closet and I wheel you in and then the next day I wheel you out. That's funny. To go teach your class, although mm -hmm. you're probably not a mythical beast. I make your it, students. I, I I try to make myself really human in the classroom. Um, yeah, I, I bet you do. I bet you're good at that. I I, I mean I, I I try to. I can't say. The problem is there's so much, in this particular leadership con context, yeah. the classroom. Yeah. There's so much distance. Yeah, the power differentials. And there's huge. so much power, right? Yeah. Because because like like my job is to give you a permanent assessment of your thinking in this short time period. <laughs> oh God, like that's right. what I'm doing, right. right? And for people who take that seriously, that's a that's a staggering challenge, right? Like forever kind of thing. Like, yeah, everybody, when you're- Going on your transcript. Going on forever. your transcript, yeah. And when people are studying you hundreds of years from now, they're gonna be going back to your college records, right? And I'm gonna be famous <laughs> because I gave you a C minus and I'm proud of that. Wow. Right. I mean, that sort of thing, like that kind of power is in there. And so I think that um, if I can think about that relationship and recognize that it's there and look at my own assumptions around things like power, look at one thing that's been very helpful to me is look at my own pedagogical purposes and figure out where I don't need power. Like what, what can I just do? Like, like what is it that I want to do and how can I do that without crushing people with the weight of authority and the weight of the implications. Because if they really screw this up, that's a, that's a big problem. Wow, that talk about a tension between autonomy and, you know, just following the rules, you know? Sure. That's so, and a lot of students don't want that. They just want to come in and sit down and be like, no, 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 you, you're you're sharing information, I'm writing it down, and then you're going to get it back right, on right. the test. Well, and, and of That's course, what they're used to as that thinkers. Is, that is what people like, and I just remember, I mean, the, pl the place where that was finally, to the extent, because I could do some of that in high school, I found a lot of my high school teachers to be relatively engaging and challenging, but um, when I got to college, where I went to college, there was no place to hide. Like you, you would have to actually do, like do things to show your thinking in various ways. And if you didn't, then you would be criticized roundly for it and often in public. Wow. Um, so my understanding of education has really had to kind of, you know, I guess I suppose kind of be altered from that view, which is very harsh. I mean, a lot of people don't like that. A lot of people don't ever want to do that. A lot of people don't thrive I mean, in that you're environment. Teaching philosophy for some people, that's like, really, you want me to engage with you on the on the idea of ideas? 
A lot like, of people right? don't want to do this. Yes, but, it's know. so meta and so abstract. They're like, dude, no thanks. I, I need to be in an altered state to have this conversation. <laughs> well, you that's know? the thing is that, is, that for, <laughs> is that the culture doesn't really support us no. talking about things like philosophy. No. But when you're in a philosophy class, it is a disservice to the students to let things slide. Yeah. Like that's the place. For Do you it. tell them that? Do you say that? I mean, you like say that in lots of ways. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, I will certainly lay that language on them too. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think this stuff is really interesting. I do, um, I do too. Uh, it helps us get through the day. It does. So yeah. let's. We I think we have time to talk about another trait. Hit another trait. Let's talk about intellectual humility because, man, this feels like one of the hardest because we're built. We are built as egocentric beings who make meaning of the world and assume that the meaning we're making is legitimate and true, and it feels right. I've known my mom, you know, my whole life. I feel this is so true about her. Of course I know this is true about her. Right. Right? Right. I, uh, how could I not? I've lived this. Right. And then the idea of intellectual humility is you are aware that my thinking is, is always limited. It's always flawed. It's always going to favor my own needs and wants. And I have to actively fight against the feeling that I know it all. In fact, today I was uh, helping some folks with a survey and one of the questions said, do you know the term implicit bias, yes or no? And somebody said, who's gonna say no? On a, even on an anonymous survey, people don't wanna say they don't know stuff. Those are the people who undermine and skew the surveys right there. Yeah, yeah. 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 But you know, we did a whole show about some research about why do people lie about things yeah. that they that they write. What is it about? And it was an American. It was the research showed <laughs> that it was specifically young American white yeah. males yeah, yeah, yeah. who were most likely to say, check the box on anonymous survey. Yes, I know what this term is when it was completely imaginary term. That's right. So what is it about our culture and about our our what are we doing when we create this environment that makes people want to say and feel compelled to say they know more than they actually know. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the, I'm afraid that's the fake it till you make it culture there. Um, <laughs> I mean, All right. well, I mean, I, I just, I just think that there's a real premium placed in our culture on looking like I should be here. And I know what I'm doing. Well, I mean, that goes along with it, like at every level. Like I'm, I'm in the spot and I'm, I'm operating appropriately for this. I don't stand out in any negative ways. It's okay if I stand out in positive ways, but that's also a fine line, of course. But I do think that, that's, um, that that accounts for a lot of it is that, you know, if I start talking a lot about my own deficiencies, then people don't want to push me forward. Right. If I right. talk about what I don't know, I should be talking about what I do know, showing mastery, even if it's not built on anything. Absolutely. And so that's why sophistry thrives, because for so many, oh. for so many positions, we're looking for the person who's going to be the best overall fit, which includes a lot of things like confidence and appearance and 
people that they know and a lot of things maybe that aren't necessarily performance specific or something like that, yeah. right? All these sort of soft things. And, you know, in a lot of cases, those end up winning the day and they cause people to have an over, they have people to have an inflated sense of their own thinking, right? I got myself here or something like that. So then humility is forever undermined in that case. And not only that, it feels weird and bad sometimes to say, I don't know. And like, what is it that we, when we say, I don't know, it like makes us feel vulnerable. Does it make us feel like, wow, right? I don't know. I'm going to say, I don't know something like, wow. Well, so we've lost before. What do you mean? I mean, I think a lot of us have lost things when we've said, I don't know. Yeah. Well, that's true. That's a risk. It's a risk. Yeah. I'm going to try saying that in the coming week, being more cognizant, and I want to report back. Oh, please do. Yeah. I think what that, about you? I think that it's great. Um, I say I don't know all the time. Do you? Yep, I do all the time. I'm in a constant state of I don't know. and um, Actually, that's okay. you're good at saying I don't know without actually using those words. Well, I mean, I do ask a lot of questions, and to the careful observer, those questions indicate that I don't know. Yeah, no, but I mean, sometimes you'll, I'm trying to think of an example of something you'll say instead of I don't know. You'll, you'll qualify an answer to mm. make it clear that you're not, this isn't the, the definitive answer, but the right. way I'm going to, you're good at that. I well, that's good. At, that's I've, a good, that's, I think you're professionally trained to do that, too. <laughs> I appreciate that because that's something actually that I have worked on a little bit. And the particular spot that I've worked on it is the spot where I'm saying that I, I'm saying that I don't know, but I'm still trying to appear competent and willing to do this while not sounding condescending or somehow sand, somehow sounding inappropriately confident. So there's a really, it's kind of what we were talking about a, like just a, a moment ago. Yeah, you, you know, because when I say I don't know, I want people to understand that it's genuine, but I also want them to understand that I'm not out. Like right. I just, like I- You're I, not I, throwing up your hands, I don't know. I would like a little more, you know, so that we can do whatever. So a lot of times I'm asking questions and I'm qualifying things just to say that, you know, this is, the other thing is I what I really don't want is for people to decide that I do know when I don't. Yes. So, so I don't want, like, I, well, a lot of times when I qualify something, it's because I know that there are multiple ways to talk about this. I've just put one of them out there. I don't want everybody to know that. Yeah. I think you're, I think you're good at that. You are also a verbal person like me. Mm. Well, we're doing a show together. What? Words. We have a lot of words between us. <laughs> and we a lot hope, of words over the microphone. We hope this show has done some justice to these concepts. Yeah. Do you have any idea why we would want that? Doing justice to these concepts because... For our audience? Because this is powerful stuff and ideas that we're talking about, and we want... We want it to feel real and authentic and be accurate. And be accurate for everyone? For everyone. Even you. <laughs> <laughs>